everybody, Sam Ellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star, and I am grateful for you listening to the 65th episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. Uh, we're going to be worth your time again this week, and today we're doing it basically by going all in on the Chiefs. Uh, the top here is going to be what I'm going to look for in the Chiefs' second preseason game tonight against the Cardinals. Uh, then we're going to have questions on a lot of different things about the Chiefs, plus a realignment thing that I think was interesting. And the bonus section is just, it's loaded. It is audio that you have not heard uh, from Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Brett Veach. We're, we're taking care of you guys. So, all right. So depending on how the Chiefs treat next week's game against the Vikings, and we don't know the answer to that, but the one tonight against the Cardinals could end up being the most telling and interesting game that we see before the opener against the Browns on September 12th. And I've got a lot to say about that game when it gets closer, by the way. But anyway, Andy Reid has said the starters could play as much as the entire first half. Uh, I'm expecting it to be a little less than that, uh, to be honest with you. But um, even if I'm right about that, um, this will still be a more interesting game than what we saw last week in Santa Clara. And I'm thinking mostly about the team that they're playing here, the Cardinals. Because Cardinals coach Cliff Kingsbury is sending signals uh, that this is their sort of like dress rehearsal game for them, that they may not play a ton of starters in their third game. So this is the one that, um, you know, is going to look the most like a regular season game for them. Uh, That means Kyler Murray will play. um, Other starters might get the most snaps they'll take in the preseason. And that is a significant departure from what we saw last weekend when the 49ers benched basically all of their defensive starters and a lot of guys on offense too. And like, here's where I stand. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of stuff about this team, the Chiefs. There's a lot of stuff about the Chiefs that makes the preseason just irrelevant, right? Like, (laughs) we don't need to see Patrick Mahomes in August to know what he'll be when the season starts, you know? So, uh, but I do want to see the secondary against NFL starters. Um, I want to see the defensive line depth, you know, how that plays against starters. And especially... I want to see this offensive line against NFL starters. And that last one is the most important, or at least the one where we might be able to get the most information, because here's what I think is going to happen. I think the Chiefs offensive line is going to be really good. Um, I I just do. I, I think they're going to be able to move the line of scrimmage in a way that we haven't really seen the Chiefs line do in got more than a decade. Right. Um, I think Mahomes is going to have more time to throw than he ever has. And I think it's really going to change the way they look on offense. I think you're going to start to see Mahomes trust his protection a little bit more, play from the pocket a little bit more, which is something that he's, he's been trying to do. So, look, I, I think all that stuff is going to happen because those guys like individually and collectively uh, and the Chiefs have spent have so much talent on offense anyway, that even if it's just a top 10 line, a top 12 line and not a top five line, like I think it could be eventually at some point. I think it'll play better than that just because Mahomes doesn't need a ton of help. But here's the point. I think all of that stuff will happen eventually, right? Like, Because I think that group is going to struggle some. I think they'll especially struggle early and they'll especially struggle like picking up stunts. And if I'm right about that, then opposing defense are just going to do more and more stunts, right? And it could get kind of ugly at times. Um, And this is not apples to apples, but remember the overhaul the Chiefs did on defense for the 2019 season, right? Um, That group had some rough moments, especially early. 
And I'm not naming names here, but a lot of you were sick of the whole thing. You thought nothing had changed and the Chiefs are going to waste another year of Mahomes. And we all know how that season ended, right? Like Dan Sorensen made the play late in the Chargers game in Mexico City in November. The defense was nails after that. And we had a parade just before the world shut down for COVID. So anyway, um, I don't know if it'll track exactly like that, but I do think we're going to see some struggles from this group early. And if if I had to guess, and and what the hell, right? Like it's just sports, so let's guess. My guess is that this offensive line gets from zero to 60 faster than the defense did three years ago. But I also think that they'll have still another gear that they get to long-term. And and maybe that's by the playoffs this season. Maybe that takes until next season or even later than that. Uh, whatever. This group is pretty young, so they're going to have some time together. But that's, that's all very long-term. Like right now, preseason game number two, I, I'm just looking forward to the first time we'll see Patrick Mahomes' protectors do it against the best that another team has to offer. And I hope we get another look at that next week against the Vikings. But um, you know what they say, right? Like day by day and game by game. So um, anyway, also, I wouldn't mind seeing what McCole Hardman does with another look or two on third down, um, but I don't want to be greedy. And, and one more thing um, before we move on. Um, the secondary had some rough moments against the 49ers, and the 49ers weren't in a position to take advantage of all of it. But Chiefs had, you know, they bit on that double move on that 80 yard touchdown pass by Trey Lance. And there were some other breaks where the Chiefs defenders just look slow and honestly, like not prepared. And I can write that off as just like first game stuff, preseason, whatever. But if it happens again, we're going to have to have a different conversation about that next week. So either way, doesn't suck to have football to watch, right? So, okay, before we move on to the rest of the show, here comes the spiel. My three asks, and you guys know where I stand. We're still going to be cool if you do two, one, even zero, but I got to ask. The first, please help support us by giving the Sports Pass a try. Dollar a month for the first three months or $30 for a year. Just reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, uh, email, and I'll send that, I'll send that along to you. Um, the second, please rate and review us if you haven't already. Savannah and I appreciate all the love that so many of you have given us already. We see you. We thank you. All the five-star ratings you've given us already help, but I'm just saying, if you haven't already done that, uh, if you haven't already given us a rating review, please do it. It really helps get the word out. Five stars only, please. Uh, third thing, if you want to participate in next week's show, and I hope you do, please call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Put the number in your phone. Call anytime. 816 816- Two three four four three six five. One more time. Here's the number. Rewind it if you don't catch it clean. Eight one six two three four four three six five. All right, guys. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, quick break, and then we're gonna come back with those questions. Hey, Sam, this is Christopher in beautiful Lonexa. Uh, my question is, let's say on conference realignment, Missouri stays in the SEC as it currently looks like it's going to be. Uh, KU somehow joins the, the Big Ten, and which I think has a chance to happen as a Jayhawk. 
And K-State ends up in a league of Big 12 leftovers and a couple Mountain West teams and a couple, you know, whatever, the American League, whatever that is, you know, maybe Central Florida, some of those teams. Which fan base is happiest in 20 years of those three? Sam, you have a good day, okay? Okay, well, first, I just have to say I'm not as optimistic about KU um, getting to the Big Ten as you are. I think KU would and should jump at the chance to go to the Big Ten, but I just I don't know that the Big Ten wants or needs to get any bigger, you know? Um, I get the appeal of KU basketball, obviously, but is Ohio State, is Michigan, are, are they going to be pumped about going to Lawrence and playing a football game? Um, you know, again, like basketball is great, but a league that already, they've got a strong presence in Chicago, Detroit, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Baltimore, D.C., New Jersey. Like, are, are they really going to move mountains, you know, and shake up the structure to add a weak football program with some interest in Kansas City? Um, it's possible. I don't know. Um, but I'm just saying that that would surprise me. But um, anyway, there's a column on the website right now about all of this. Um, and there's a lot more detail in there about how I feel and more importantly, what I'm hearing from people who know more about this stuff than I do. And obviously, I hope you read it. Uh, but let's do let's do your hypothetical, right? Mizzou in, in the SEC, KU in the Big Ten and K-State in whatever the Big 12 looks like. So your question, who's happier in 20 years? Um, I'll tell you this. Uh, I think each one of those fan bases would at least try to convince themselves that they're the happiest. You know, Mizzou would talk about getting out of the Big 12 mess and being part of the most powerful league. I think KU fans would, would talk themselves into the tradition and, you know, sort of academic profile of the Big 10. And I think K-State fans would talk about how the whole thing is a sham, you know, and, and now at least... Like, we get to be in a league that wants to be a league and compete, right? Like, I think all those things would happen. But, look, I think in your scenario, uh, the ones that would, like, genuinely be the happiest, I think it's Mizzou. Um, because deep down, look, like, K-State fans would miss the profile of being in a top league. And there's a good chance that KU would have a similar experience of, you know, sort of Nebraska, right? And sort of feel out of place. Um, you know, Mizzou can build some roots in the SEC, particularly if a rivalry with Arkansas or whoever else emerges. And, you know, look, if, if all else is equal, you know, you're in the biggest and best league in the country, right? Um, so I think that's a pretty good fallback position. So, um, all right, that's it for realignment. Um, now we're going to go uh, all, all in with the Chiefs again. Um, all right, Matthew, here you go. Hey, Sam, this is Matthew from Orange County, California. Now that the uh, Chiefs have broken camp from St. Joseph, I was wanting to know your general impressions of St. Joe as a host city. Um, how do you feel about spending a month up there? How do the players like being in college dorms? Do Andy, Brett Beach, and the Hunt family, do they enjoy being up in St. Joe? I think the Chiefs have a deal that keeps them at Mo West for about another year, but I wonder if last year's COVID camp would make the Chiefs just want to stay in KC during the summer. Uh, just curious on your thoughts about St. Joe and its continuing to host training camp. Thanks, Sam. Love the podcast. Well, I think Andy Reid really likes it. Um, I know he does, actually, or, or maybe more accurately. I don't know if he really likes it, um, you know, being in the dorm and whatever, as much as he just – he really believes in the bottom of his heart that it's the best way to get real work done, and that's what matters to him. So – 
I think Andy likes the absence of distractions, uh, you know, the team building stuff, um, you know, just everything that goes with being away from home, you know, and, and all in on football. Um, you know, the, the trend is certainly, you're right, like the trend is for teams to do camp at home, you know, and so the chances are the next coach, whenever that happens, is going to want to go that way. Um, and I think there were plenty of people inside the Chiefs organization, by the way, uh, that sort of hoped that last year's camp at home would convince Andy to keep it that way. But as long as Andy's in charge of football, I'm expecting the Chiefs to train somewhere other than Kansas City. So you're asking about St. Joe specifically. Like, um, personally, like, honestly, like, I don't really care. Um, you know, I don't stay in St. Joe. I drive back and forth. Um, it's about an hour from where I live, which... You know, I don't think that's bad. And I'd rather do the drive and have some time at home with my family, you know, than have more free time but be away. So um, the one thing about Chiefs Camp that I don't get, though, these players are, like, really valuable assets, right? Like, that is beyond debate. And their health and sharpness and everything else is just, it's critically important. But you've got them sleeping on these dorm room mattresses? Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me you know what i mean like they, they look the players and and everybody else in the organization like they, they've got the option of sort of like renting better mattresses i think it costs something like 400 dollars. but um you know and i'm sure some guys do that but certainly not all or even most you know and i i just don't get why the chiefs wouldn't make that standard for everybody like wouldn't you want everybody getting good sleep <laughs> And, and and having a good mattress, you know, or at least the players, you know, um, the Chiefs even have a partnership with a mattress company um, and, and they're still charging a fee for a decent mattress and not making that just standard. Um, that's the part I don't get, man. Um, but, you know, I'm not in charge. Um, all right, Kelly, you're up. Hey, Sam, my name is Kelly and I'm calling from Nashville. And my question is, and it's probably one that's been asked several times anyway, do you think that they're going? Do you think the Chiefs will extend or or give a new contract to Tyron Matthew? Um, it seems like he's been tweeting about it quite a bit lately, especially today. Um, he he only put out one tweet. That's all about something about loyalty, but that was about it. He he retweeted someone. So, do you think they're going to either extend him or sign him a new contract, or do you think that's just something that probably won't happen? Thanks. Hope you use my question. Okay, so Sam McDowell had a great breakdown on this the other day. I hope you check it out. Uh, but the gist is that the Chiefs want Tyron here long term, and Tyron wants to be here long term. But the Chiefs, and this is true of a lot of teams, right? Not just the Chiefs. And it's part of why a lot of really good players, including Lamar Jackson, are waiting on contract extensions. But um, the Chiefs just aren't in a position right now to know exactly how much room they'll have under the cap. You know, these teams, you plan on the cap going up every year, and the cap took a, a, a big hit with COVID. It's just, it makes a lot of things a lot more difficult. So, um, you know, the, the way that McDowell put it is the Chiefs are waiting so they can kind of structure Tyron's deal around these other numbers instead of doing a deal now and structuring other deals around Tyron's deal. You know, like basically if, if you do the deal now and if the cap hits are in the wrong years, you might end up having to cut three or four guys, you know? Um, so look, I think that all makes sense. You know, I, I think the chiefs could give Tyron an offer right now, but the cap space is such that they wouldn't really be able to offer him anywhere near what he's worth, you know, not yet anyway. Um, so, and okay, like he, here's a quick, but telling example, um, Orlando Brown is up for a deal after this season and you can say that'll get done and the chiefs hope it will obviously, because, you know, among other things, that means he played really well, um, 
And I think it will get done, right? Like if you think that, I think you're probably right. But I don't know that you can assume that. I don't know that you, you, you know, you can bank on that because so right now, um, his 22, 2022 cap number has to be projected as something like $20 million, which is the, the franchise tag number for a tackle. So, you know, get a deal done with him and uh, or get a deal done with Orlando Brown and uh, Brown's cap number can be something like $5 million. And that makes Tyron a lot easier. Tyreek Hill is another guy who's going to be due for some extension talks after this season. So it's going to be complicated. I think both sides want to get a deal done. Um, and I think they're sort of talking like it will get done. But I I think there's a possibility it does not get done, um, despite both sides' best intentions. Um, I'm expecting it to get done, but I just I don't think that it's a guarantee. So anyway, there's a lot of examples like that. You know, what, what I just told you with Orlando Brown, Tyreek Hill, um, you know, up and down the roster. And, you know, the Chiefs are taking the sort of slow route here. And I'm sure it's frustrating for Matthew, right? Like, how could it not be, you know? Because, um, <laughs> like, look, the Chiefs can tell him they love him. You know, but that's not the same thing as telling him they love him while offering him a big contract extension. You know what I mean? So um, the rub here is that waiting, you know, the price might go up on on Tyron Matthew, particularly in light of, you know, the deal Jamal Adams just signed. But that's the exchange the Chiefs are making. You know, that's what they're signing up for. And maybe they'll spend a little bit more after the season than they would right now. But, you know, they'd be doing it with more certainty and not just about Tyron's number, but how to fit that around everything else they need to do. Um, and, and if you're, by the way, before we get on to the next question, if you're interested in sort of the Chiefs' position on some of this stuff, um, you really should stick around for the bonus section, um, particularly the, the, the part with Brett Veach. So, um, okay, anyway, one more question, um, and this is from Tom. All right. Hey, Sam, this is Tom calling from Chicago. With the Hall of Fame being uh, this past weekend, I'm curious of how many current Chiefs you think will make the Hall including ownership and management. I'll set the bar and over under at five and a half. What would you take? Thanks. So, all right, I, I think we can agree. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, those are locks, right? Um, I happen to think that Tyron Matthew will play his way to that level as well. Um, I don't know how many people see him that way right now, but he is a three-time All-Pro. Um, he's a Super Bowl champion, a leader on a Super Bowl champion. He made an all-decade team, which I think is a really big deal when it comes to these debates. And I also think Tyron's going to have a good case with his part in sort of reshaping the defense that allowed Patrick Mahomes to win a Super Bowl or three. You know, um, He is wildly respected by his peers. Uh, he's going to be remembered as one of the sort of pioneers of, of how the safety position is changing. I think that's a really strong case. Uh, Tyree Kill is going to be interesting, um, and and I think his case is basically going to rest on how long he can stay at his peak, because I think some people are going to look at this like, come on, like the quarterback is in, uh, another pass catcher's in, so like how much of this is Tyreek and how much of it is sort of the the broader context, right? Um, that's going to be an interesting debate. He's just he's he's not far enough into this that we can have like sort of a a, a credible, relevant debate about that. Chris Jones might be able to get there. Um, he's got some work to do, but he certainly has a chance. And there's a world that exists in which someone on this line, Orlando Brown, would be the most obvious candidate. But somebody on that line is going to have a chance to do it too, just because this team is going to have a lot of team success. And voters love team success. And when team success happens, a lot of times offensive line and, and defense, that's, what, that's when those guys get in, you know? Um, and they're going to want to honor some guys who were in the trenches for this offense. So 
Um, you know, there's just there's obviously there's a lot of unknowns here, including how many Super Bowls this group ends up with. So, um, but a lot of these guys are young. You know, um, <laughs> people don't think about this, but Harrison Butker's historical accuracy is going to be noticed if he keeps it up another decade or whatever. Just stuff like that that you can't predict and you can't count on, but you also can't count out. You know, if that makes sense. So, anyway, I've named what uh, eight gay eight guys here so far. And I might be taking your question too literally here, but I, I think there will be more than five and a half chiefs from this period that get in the Hall of Fame. But I'm not sure that more than five and a half future Hall of Famers are on the roster at this moment. You know what I mean? Mahomes, Kelsey, Reed, locks. And I would bet on Matthew, but that's not a sure thing. Hill is a possibility. Um, you know, so that's five. So you'd still need another. Um, so anyway, I'm going to take the under. Uh, but I'd also tell you that five and a half is really the right number to put on this. So, um, okay, one last break, and then we are back with uh, really a loaded bonus section. Okay. Okay, let's finish strong. And do we all agree, right, hearing audio, you have not heard anywhere else from, from Mahomes, from Reed, from Veach. Does that qualify as finishing strong? Um, yes? Okay. So anyway, we were able to, I was able to talk to each of them this week. Uh, away from the podium stuff you're used to seeing, Mahomes and Veach were in separate conversations in, in a sort of office space at camp. And then Reed spoke to some writers, a few of us through Zoom the other day. And um, so anyway, there, there's a ton in here especially with Veach, and, and I might be sprinkling in some of the audio in more shows as we go along, especially leading up to the season opener against the Browns. And I, I know those conversations are going to inform a story that I think you're really going to like on, on Mahomes in Kansas City. And I still need to put it together, still have a, a few more phone calls to, to make, but trust me, it's going to be the goods. All right, let's get to the audio that we have this week. Uh, the story that I'm most interested in this preseason is the Chiefs offensive line. We're going to continue to talk about that because I believe it can be the best that Mahomes has played behind. But they're also starting five new guys, um, including three rookies. So there's a chance that it really could be ugly at times, especially early. There, there are th at least three ways the Chiefs will look different if and when the line becomes as good as a lot of people believe it can be one they will be able to convert third and short the old-fashioned way, you know, uh, with runs up the middle or particularly on the left side like we saw in the first preseason game. Uh, the second way, a better or at least a more consistent ground game. Eventually, you're going to pull another safety into the box, maybe even get an extra linebacker on the field instead of a, a, a defensive back, you know, and that opens up a whole new world for Mahomes who sees, you know, light, he sees light boxes and more light boxes than any quarterback in football. Can you imagine if defenses have to play him straight up? Come on. Um, all right, the third way. Mahomes is not going to ask whether they have time to run Wasp, you know? Like, he's just going to know that they do, right? Like, the protection will be there. And, and God bless the hearts of defensive backs trying to cover Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey when Mahomes is standing in the pocket instead of running around behind the line of scrimmage. So, um, anyway, um, ask Mahomes that question. Basically, like, how do you expect the offense to be different with a bolstered offensive line? Here's what he said. 
Um, I don't know if it changes how I play the position, but I think it, it, it could change how we, uh, we we play the game, I guess, a little bit. Um, if you look at uh, a lot of the great offenses of all time, I mean, there's a great balance of run and pass. Um, and I feel like if, if 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 we're able to run the ball, like I think we'll be able to do, um, it's going to make defenses have to adjust and have to come up and, and play coverages that they don't want to play against our speed and our, our talent on the outside. And I think that can open up kind of the deep ball back again. And I know we hit it a little bit last year, but if you look at us from my first year starting to now, it's just uh, defensive have, safeties have gotten deeper, uh, coverages has gotten deeper. They're, they're allowing the underneath stuff. Um, and so if we're if we're able to run the ball like I think we'll be able to, I think that'll will open up the play action where we can get Tyree back over the top of people and McColl and hit some of these deep touchdown throws. So the answer that he's given there is it's basically like all of it, right? And and I do think that he'll be a different quarterback. You know, the the most consistent self criticism that he presents is this sort of habit of breaking the pocket early or you know breaking the pocket when he doesn't have to. And he can get better there, but that process can also be helped if he can more consistently trust the protection, right? So anyway, um, speaking of Mahomes, like, isn't that wild, like, that three summers ago, he was walking into, like, Royals or Sporting Kansas City games, like, double-fisting beers, (laughs) you know what I mean? And now he basically, like, not only he owns part of those teams, but he basically, like, just can't go out in public without, like, security. And, you know, that guy has a level of fame that the rest of us like literally cannot imagine, you know, and and that has to change a person in some way, right? Like either in the way you view the world or strangers, um, you know, or with athletes, we've certainly seen fame and money like sort of just suck the drive out of some guys, right? Like who sort of, you know, leave some legacy on the table. It's 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 hard to work like you're hungry when you've been eating steak. You know what I mean? And and that's really interesting to me. So um, I asked Andy Reid about that, you know, uh, about how or if he's seen Patrick change as the, you know, the fame and success have grown. Um, and here's what Andy said about that. It's phenomenal that way. I, I think he, he's he been able to, he's, there's a lot of people throwing things at him. Yeah. Uh, you know, and wanting him to be a part of, Everything, and I think he's able to sort that out and still be himself. And I might say to him all the time, just keep being you. You're you're gonna be okay. He's got a good way about him, and he doesn't ever let himself get too far away from football. Uh, He understands the importance of that, and um, and he wants to be the best. You know, I mean, that's what he he strives to be, and he's not afraid to talk to other players and. You know, whether it's the Brady's or whoever, Drew Brees, you know, whoever it is, he, he, he loves ball and he wants to, he wants to be the best at it. I've been asking other guys this question too, and the most common answer is basically like nothing other than like, you know, he's not around as much as he used to be, like just in those casual kind of like sit around the table and shoot the bull kind of way. Just there's, there's so many demands on that guy's time. You know what I mean? And if you're going to draw it up, I think that's the way you'd want it. You know, um, as long as the football stuff does not change. But he's still only 25 years old, and I think this is going to be something to watch and take notice of as he gets older. I mean, this is a pretty unique situation, right? Like, we in Kansas City get to watch the best player in the league, like, from start to finish, or at least from start to comfortably in his 30s. Um, We've never really had that before. So, um, 
Anyway, um, all right, let's do Veach now. And one of the things that fans are most interested in this camp is is what we talked about a little bit earlier, um, the Tyron Matthew extension and when that's going to be done. Um, so we talked about that in the questions. Um, so here I want to play some audio from Veach that's related to all of that. And a couple of years ago, uh, this is one of the first conversations I had with Brett. And it was you know shortly after he took over as GM. But I, I, I basically just asked him how he would be different than John Dorsey. Um, and it's it's a very open-ended question, right? And there are a lot of mechanical things with communication of and, and other stuff. But when it comes to roster building, um, the thing that Brent said was that like he would prioritize youth over experience more than Dorsey, who, who tended to like veterans a little more. So, um, you know, well, th- this is going to be Tyron Matthews last season in his 30s. And doesn't mean he's old, um, right? But he's also definitely not young anymore, you know, um, at least by NFL standards. And depending on what kind of deal is done, this will be the last one to, you know, this will at least take him to the doorstep of being old, you know. So anyway, um, with all that in mind, you know, how Brett prioritizes youth, um, I, I just I wanted to ask him how he decides which aging players are worth the money and and which ones aren't. You know, the Chiefs got burned with Eric Berry's health, you know, um, but they are in good shape with Travis Kelsey's extension. He's in his 30s. So it's. It's, it's really a delicate balance, but um, anyway, um, here's what Brent said. It's case by case. It's probably the position they play. Um, I think that factors into it. You know, I mean, obviously, there are certain positions that just from an analytical st- standpoint kind of show that I think we've seen that over the years, tight end position. I mean, obviously, everyone, quarterbacks will, will survive and punters will survive and kickers, but I think like tight ends, I think over the years, you know, you've seen the Gronkowskis and... Um, I mean, shoot, there's been a bunch of guys that, that play into the thirties, but I think it's 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 probably a, a case by case basis. It, it, it's probably shaded to some degree on the position they play and the physical demands that that position require on a day to day basis, and then the cultural impact in a locker room. I mean, that certainly uh, goes into play. So, if, I mean, if you have a good player at a position that doesn't lend itself to aging and he's not a leader, I mean, it, you know, it, it's probably an avenue where you'll move away from. However, if you have a guy that, you know, and, and their versatility too, like Tyron can do different things. He's not just a safety as we know. He's not just a slot corner. He's not just a, you know, strong safety. I mean, he can do different things. And so I think versatility, I think the position they play, um, and I think their cultural impact, I think those are some of the factors that, that probably lend itself into um, those decisions um, when it comes to guys getting up there in age. And, you know, those are, Good problems to have. It they could be difficult problems to have. I mean, you know, because we've also seen the flip side of that over the years. So that's interesting, right? Like uh, what I'm hearing there is that running backs probably are not getting a big second contract here, you know, and pass rushers and corners aren't getting a big third contract here. Um, but that you know they'll spend on the right teammate, you know, if they play safety, if they play tight end, quarterback, maybe receiver. So pretty sound philosophy, you know, if we're being honest. So. All right, guys, uh, this is really good stuff from from these three, and that's stuff you're not hearing in other places. And so I appreciate you joining us uh, for the show and being a part of it. So, okay, that's all we got. One quick reminder, if you know of someone interesting in Kansas City doing interesting things that you'd like to hear, 
on this show, um, please drop me a line. So thanks again for joining us and please help us spread the word. Uh, Tell a friend we're worth your time. Please reach out to me if you can help support us with the Sports Pass and please uh, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks to everybody who called in, even those we couldn't get to. Thanks to Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Brett Veach for their time. Thanks to Savannah Smith for putting this all together. And as always, the biggest thanks to you for joining and letting us be a part of your life. Um, All right, guys, have a great weekend. Be kind.